t-shirts in the show. Just go to pgttcm.com, check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some show curtains in there. Keep clean, look cool, have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon, get a free sticker. Or don't, it's up to you. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay. And the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on, like, Instagram. Check it out. Uh, They've got some really good summer deals. And check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. Are you interested in full episode and movie reviews from Tales from the Crypt? This podcast is for you. The Good Evening Kitties podcast, where I, Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, recap every episode with special guests and bonus horror movie reviews. The Good Evening Kitties podcast can be found on most podcast platforms. Check it out today. You're listening to KZOM, only in public radio. everyone it's me db and this guy over here farmer dave how the heck's it going these days it is going well actually very well because we're digging a new well in the farm (laughs) very good so it is well good 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 that's that's fun to hear uh I feel like digging wells is like one of those kind of like things that starts a horror story. Like it all starts with like digging a hole into the earth and then bad things happen from that. Yes, now that you have jinxed us. Oh, I'm but, sorry. I'm uh, we sorry. have just started. So if anything sort of weird happens, we all know it's because of the well. Yeah, yeah. No, let's let's cross our fingers and hope no chuds down there. So No. All right. So uh we're not talking about chuds this week. We're talking about the Cthulhu mythos like we Oh, I looked up I, I'm already prepared to talk about chuds. Oh 
Wow. But okay, all, all this research gone to, <laughs> gone to nothing. Well, when we get to see, we can probably talk about chuds. And, and and I can use a I can use this on my 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 doctorate work too. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, I'm getting a degree in chudology. Chudology, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, what we are talking about though is the Cthulhu mythos, not as a, uh, uh, I mean, and not as like these are the people who made it, but this is what it is. This is our back to school, reminding people what this show is about. Special. So, you know, use, use the Chudology in uh, our, our back-to-school special in a couple years from now when we're, we're doing Chuds, chuds for back-to-school. So, lo, lo, so Lovecraftian Mythos Concepts 101 or, or Mythos Concepts 101? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good title. So, yeah, we're going to be covering... Uh, we covered Azathoth last week, so I thought it might be good to just, like, hop into who the Outer Gods are. And the great old ones. We won't be talking about elder gods or the uh, what is it? The uh, great ones. We won't great be just, ones. Yeah, we won't the be talking ones. about those. Uh, we will just be talking. Although, about, uh, although I'm going to, uh, I'm going to talk about the the, the semi great ones, the 1936 uh, Bronx Bombers, Yankees. I don't know a football team, no <laughs> baseball team, but that just sounded good. They're yeah. the semi great ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, In, insert uh, insert your uh, uh, own sports reference there, folks. Thank you. <laughs> your 1977 Portland Trailblazers. Rip City, baby. <laughs> Brought to you by no. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's. So let's talk about something we know about. Let's talk about something we know about. Yeah. Um, the Cthulhu mythos. So, yeah, we're talking about those outer gods first. Uh, when you think of outer gods, uh, who do you think of first there? Well, so the outer... I I always get them confused, honestly. But um, so I think the outerly of the outer gods is Azathoth. Yeah, 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 I believe so. That's who I would generally think of. Uh but, um, I mean, we're not really talking about Azathoth this episode, but yeah. Uh, next up, I generally uh, think of, like, I think, like, Yogg-Sothoth. So, I'm a, I'm a strong believer that Yogg-Sothoth, at least from Lovecraft's point of view, mm-hmm. is the next po- most powerful being. Yeah. Not necessarily the next most powerful being in the universe, the next most powerful being that he talks about that okay. he being Lovecraft sure and he's kind of he's kind of the god of time and space mm-hmm. a bunch of glowing spheres yes mm-hmm. yes and but and as such he is actually one of the more accessible outer gods mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know you can uh you can uh, you know have it become your your daughter's baby daddy yeah yeah uh but also you know um um randolph carter you know learned you know to uh, spells and and learned how to travel through time and space through some of his um of shogunoth uh 
cults, if not followers or, or aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true, very true. Yeah, uh, and uh, let's see, we also have Shubnigaroth, uh, <laughs> I believe, uh, is a uh, another example of an outer god. And I, I, I think, like, Shubnigaroth is almost kind of like the source of all life is the best way to kind of think of... She, she is, is, is she's a, a, a twisted fertility god. Yeah, yeah. Or goddess. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, there's, there's uh, some great old ones that I think are kind of like avatars of... Uh, Shubnigaroth that we don't talk about that are like more like masculine or like um, asexual kind of representations of what I think of when I think of Shubnigaroth um, a, a bith and no 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 uh, a both and um, oh I'm trying to remember the other one but the uh, pretty much like uh, great old ones that just kind of spew forth uh, misshapen monsters that uh- then Go in. A pan, I think Pan is a is an avatar of Shubnagarath. Yeah, so, yeah, or no. the masculine version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, definitely. But I was thinking of uh, more like uh, mythos type, uh, like non-humanoid, very alien kind of like uh, progenerators, like uh, like 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 how very much like the Satyr is kind of like the male like. Uh, progenerator, or uh, very much, yeah, yeah. That's 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 like uh, Shubnigaroth in like kind of like the male form is like the wild uh, virile male. But um, there's also like asexual reproduction, and then you have like these like creatures that just spew forth just all kinds of like misshapen creatures, like things that flop and move and are you know some grow up to be greater things and who knows if, if, if some of those things that like made it out of the cave on Mount Vormith Adreth um, thousands upon thousands of years ago didn't you know or who knows how long ago I can't remember uh, when when those stories are supposed to take place uh, the uh, Clark Ashton Smith seven Gius and whatnot but yeah 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 um, no. So, so uh, sort of an interesting, not related Shugnagaroth story. Mm-hmm. But so one of my most favorite non-Lovecraftian mythos stories mm-hmm. is uh, no, uh, Robert Block, who is most famous for Psycho. Yeah. But he wrote um, Notebook Found in a Deserted Farm. Yes. And so he has these creatures and they're calling upon Shugnagaroth. And they summon, um, oh, they, um, uh, the, the, the Shagos. Tri- so they sang Shagos. Okay. But his Shagos are nothing like Lovecraft Shagos. <laughs> they are these like sort of stumpy creatures with vines and they have like three legs. So, um, when they start codifying them and using them in Call of Cthulhu, the Chaosium game, <laughs> They create create a brand new name for them. They don't call them sh- uh, Shagos. They become, you know, the 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 dark children of Shagnigara. Ooh, yeah. But they were originally inspired by uh, the Robert Block story. Okay, okay. 
Cool. Yeah, no, and uh, just kind of a quick rundown. Uh, Shub Niggeroth uh, comes to us first from Whisper in the Darkness, I believe, where uh, the uh, Migo are heard to worship uh, or make mention of Shub Niggeroth, the black goat in the woods with a thousand young. So, uh, yeah, those uh, and any any other uh, old ones uh, or not old ones, but. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain is not working right now. But the outer gods, outer gods that uh, come to your mind. So I mean, we've, we've talked about that... Afumza recently in Atlachnacha. Yeah. Uh, here's one that I think that's kind of a lot of people classify as a, uh, an outer god mm-hmm. it is Narlahotep. Okay. Now, my, if you're going to say that the big difference between the outer gods and the old ones are power. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Narlahotep is on the power level of Yogg-Sagoth or even Shabnigaroth. Yeah. So I think he is maybe more, um, much more, say, a, a great old one. Yeah. Who is and tries to impersonate an outer god? Gotcha. But the great old ones have a lot of the powers that the outer gods have, including as decided as later writers mm-hmm. and game creators that they can have the power to create avatars. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. So, so what do you think is the difference between a great old one and an outer god? A great old one and an outer god, I think, is the difference between... Oh, man. Uh, a, um, a great old one, I think, is like an example of a pinnacle of a species or like uh, the pinnacle of uh, maybe uh, an evolutionary dead end. Uh, maybe some sort of constructs created by outer gods. Outer gods, I think of as like cosmic deities, deities that exist on such a cosmic level that we don't understand them. Um, and, and, and we can say that about great old ones too, but great old ones there, it's, it's not like Cthulhu, uh, it's, it's, it's not like <laughs> Cthulhu controls time and space. We don't really know what Cthulhu does and doesn't do. I mean... Uh, yeah, other than sleep. Other than sleep. I mean, he has, like, RPG stats, but when it comes to, like, classic uh, cosmic horror, Cthulhu is just a dreaming god. And not even a god so much as just kind of, like, maybe... Um, a galactic tyrant of some sort that someone put to sleep and (laughs) is asleep in the water woke up once and then went back to bed and 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 crazy people know his names because of dreams i mean uh it's that's that's not like yog sothoth who is the key in the gate you know is 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 like the personification physical personification of time and space that's that's a little bit different, and <laughs> or or like Shabnigroth, who is actually like treated as like a fertility goddess god, 
Um, I mean, granted, you know, people could treat and do treat Cthulhu like a god, but I don't know if uh, Cthulhu has any other, I don't know, claims to godhood other than the fact that people think that it's a god because of its size and the fact that it sends psychic messages for the last forever that it's a god and that it's powerful. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, and I, I, I so I think you're right. It, it's part of it is sort of this power level that one are that say Cthulhu to humans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that difference in power. Yeah, it's almost the same as Cthulhu to Shagnigarot. Yeah, or to Cthulhu, to Yog Sagoth. Yeah, that these true and they're not true deities because it necessarily in the word, but they are more powerful than those than the ones that the humans assume are gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I guess uh, an, an analogy I could make about like great old ones or old ones. Or uh, outer gods and great old ones is uh, great old ones are like superheroes that have like stretchy abilities or can turn on fire like the Fantastic Four. They're not like super powerful. They're crime fighters and stuff like that. But then you've got like things like Galactus or like Omega level mutants like yeah. Phoenix or you know you've you've got these like these these things that are like beyond the scope of what we even think of as power it's like you know y- you can have something really 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 powerful like the hulk like cthulhu or something like that that makes other uh, great old ones who just like hang out in a swamp or like at the bottom of a lake or something like that seem kind of quaint but you know cthulhu's power is nothing <laughs> compared to like i don't know um Dialoth. <laughs> yeah. But uh, who um, just uh, Dialoth, if people don't know who Dialoth is, uh, Dialoth is, I believe, a Ramsey Campbell. Um, uh, the image of Dialoth was not shapeless, but so complex that the eye could not recognize no discernible shape. They were hemispheres and shining metal uh, coupled on long plastic rods. The rods were all flat gray colors so that he could not make out which were nearer. They may, they merged into a flat mass from which protruded individ- anyways, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's this, 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 this mathematical, uh, mm-hmm. pattern, puzzle, space thing, um, that just looking at it is, 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 is too much for you, but, um, no, 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 um, Oh man, uh, uh, great! Uh, the the outer gods—they're—they're—they're they're pretty cool. They're—they're they're pretty intense. They're pretty big. They're pretty powerful. Um, but we've—we've we've talked about these. Those—those. Uh, those, uh, what about the uh, great old ones? The great old ones are like the oldest thing on earth that are not deities. Is the best way. For me to describe them, yeah. So, so the classic example I think is, and, and this is up everybody's up to interpretation, but um, Father Hydra and 
um, you know, Mother Hydra and, you know, uh, Father Dagon. Yeah. They are these huge, big, ancient, um, deep ones. Mm -hmm. And they have, they can do magic. Yeah. So they've got magical powers. But but we kind of know that they, in turn, worship Cthulhu. Because they know they're nothing compared to Cthulhu. Yeah. But they are the most powerful two of their species. Sure, sure. I, I, I mean, I, I believe it's even described as them being priests of Cthulhu. But, um, <laughs> and then that makes us go, okay, so the great one, uh, great old ones even have a hierarchy uh, to some extent. But, I don't know, I guess power levels. Um, but yeah, no, uh, great old ones are where a lot of the more interesting stuff in the Cthulhu mythos comes from. Um, we're never going to see Azathoth in a story. And you can say, well, we're never going to see Yogg-Soth in a story, but we see the result of Yogg-Soth, like the, the direct result, or what uh, Wizard Waitley believes is the direct result of Yogg-Soth. I mean, not the most reliable narrator there, but... <laughs> That's true. But yeah, no, uh, examples of uh, great old ones are like Athagwa, the uh, Windwalker, who we've talked about on this show in the past, uh, Haster, the Unspeakable. Um, what can you tell me about Haster there, Dave? So, so yeah, I would, and I get, and it, this is all going to be your mileage may vary. Yeah, yeah. I would almost put Haster up as one of the more powerful mm-hmm. But I think one of the reasons why most people consider him, you know, a, a great old one, yeah, is that his directness that he does get involved mm-hmm. in some way by to human beings, yeah. Um, that's what why I put uh, Narahotep in because he seems to be so. He's one of the few that really are human centric. Yeah, yeah. That he kind of cares about, not cares about human beings, but cares about whether they blow the planet up with nuclear weapons and yeah. whether they're worshiping. So, um, even though I think he's one of the more powerful mm-hmm. great old ones, I, I get that he probably just doesn't quite reach it to outer god level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's something that, that befuddles me about uh, Haster is people talk about how Haster is like the god of entropy. And he's not a god, he's a great old one. He's, he's like kind of like described at times kind of like more or less not too different from Cthulhu or, or kind of like a squashed out humanoid with like thin and floaty, bloaty parts. I mean... Um, well, well, he started. So he started out as the god of shepherds. Yeah, yeah. And, and so a lot of times when we hear the word gods in these people's names or these creatures' names, and we will, mm-hmm. it's the human perception. Sure, sure. Okay, we gotcha. Uh, let's see. Who else do we got? Uh, it's uh, fun ones to talk about. There we've. Uh, let's see. Sathagwa is a. Uh, great old one, one of my favorite deities of all time, uh, Sathagwa. And as we've talked about, that doesn't make him necessarily a deity as it makes him like just 
the oldest of whatever. <laughs> what I mean, and, well, he's not the oldest because he's got a granddaughter. He's got Sefaklip, um, and there's even like a legendary thief in a Clark Ashton Smith story. Um, Kenyatl Gagan Sahom is, I think, how his name is pronu- uh, pronounced, who is a Vormi who's descended from Sathagwa. So it's like Sathagwa is like almost like the, ex- I, mean, I mean, it's like uh, when it comes to our solar system, like Sathagwa is a refugee who fled Saturn, but is like the progenitor of a race that can, you know, or, or like maybe the Vormi or like, yeah. We can trace our, our greatest champion can trace his lineage all the way back to Sathagwa. Maybe if we reverse engineer it, maybe Sathagwa is just a Vormi legend. Who knows? Anyway, uh, that's not as fun. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, Sathagwa, I mean, yeah, no, definitely a god to other things, but not nearly as powerful as oh, any of the outer gods by a long shot. And, and any other uh, great old ones you can think of? Well, um, worth I worth think chatting a, a about. A lot right of now. sort of a lot. I think a lot of what we consider sort of the sort of the lesser gods would be it'd be here. Um, one of the ones that is always sort of um, oh. Uh, sort of uh problematic there you know you get um is you get uh, czar and ligar which are the the twinest obscenities but they're you know they're probably literally if not cthulhu's children yeah they are smaller versions of him adopted and some people have even suggested maybe they are um, clones. Okay. Uh, another one is that I think is uh, uh, another uh, Clark one there, mm-hmm. or, or a Ramsey, uh, Yogganok. Oh, yeah, yeah. W- which is, you know, he's sort of, the, he's the defiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of these, well, you guys have defeated all the deep ones and lizard men. Now I'm going to throw you. Uh, an, an actual, uh, you know, Cthulhu mythos deity, but I'm not going to throw the big ones at yeah. you. That's, <laughs> that's where they come from, a lot of the, the books in the uh, Lovecraftian games. Yeah, yeah, and you can use Yagalanak, uh, the way I pronounce it. Uh, it. You know, just have things slowly kind of like be influenced by Yagalanak. You can use Yagalanak a lot like how you use the King in Yellow uh, Haster stuff, just kind of like slowly kind of like phase it in and, uh, you know, it's like you find things that have kind of like a, and Yagalanak's design is very interesting. Uh, Yagalanak appears as a, a naked, obese uh, humanoid with uh, a mouth on each hand. Uh, yes. Other features are kind of nebulous. Uh, in the past... Uh, I've no, seen, no head, usually. No head, yeah, no head. And in the past, I've seen, like, uh, genitals replaced with the mouth, but that's pretty much based off of the designer, what the designer of uh, uh, the writer, uh, game designer, illustrator, whatever 
of Yigalanak at that period of time wants. But yeah, Yigalanak's a, definitely an interesting, like really like low power, um, like I, I'd almost say is like uh, somewhere there's like a planet or a dimension full of Yagalanaks that are the exact same power as Yagalanak or maybe more powerful. But yeah. since Yagalanak is in Great Britain, Yagalanak is is treated like a god because of its abilities. <laughs> yeah. But anywhere else, Yagalanak is is kind of like a spiny yellow worm. <laughs> yeah. And, and on his planet, he's considered kind of a prude. Yeah. <laughs> One la one other one we just sure. didn't mention, uh, of course, uh, Yig. Yeah, yeah, the snake. Yeah, and so, and that's sure. You know, you say you know, Yigalanak is you know got no head, it's got mm-hmm. mouths on its hands. Yig is the only person as a giant. Oh, uh, Ralph the Rooster, of course, approves of stories about Yig. Yeah, uh, uh, but so they they don't necessarily all look alike. Sure. So there, there's this whole infinite universe full of, of creatures. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I say that the big difference between the great old one and the outer gods is power level. Okay. So the next thing I uh, wanted to talk about was uh, kind of other beings of the Cthulhu mythos. Like uh, we've got like Brown Jenkin, uh, Kaziah Mason's rat thing. Do, do, do you think that falls into the Cthulhu mythos, or do you think that's just kind of like a witch accoutrement? Well, in, in the Necronomicon, does it say, here's how to make a brown Jenkin? So, <laughs> is it part of the mythos? I, I would say absolutely, in yeah. the same way as the Migos and Deep Ones are part of the mythos. Oh, okay. But again, we're talking we're talking power level Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know the universe doesn't circle around you know brown jenkin and with uh little tiny uh pipe players trying to keep him asleep so he doesn't wake up (laughs) yeah but but you know in that way human beings are are part of the human beings and roosters as ralph reminds us yeah are part of uh you know the Cthulhu mythos we don't think of it as you know humans are a, a mythos race but we are we're, we're the ones they talk about the most sure yeah no I mean we're, we're the byproduct of Shoggoths <laughs> yes so so in the cosmology uh, we are told that when they were making Shoggoths that there was basically chemicals that were discarded that eventually mutates into human beings mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 looking through I'm looking through a list of non-human species. We've we've mentioned uh, deep ones. We've mentioned the dark young of Shubnigarath. Uh, we've mentioned the elder things, I believe, the uh, five-sided oval-shaped starfish things that lived at Atlantis or uh, Antarctica. <laughs> Antarctica, not Atlantis. Uh, I don't know, millions of years ago before humanity uh, even existed. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about, and I don't know how to talk about this, the Bayaki, which I, I feel is, is, is kind of a, a mythos thing, but I feel like 
Is that more of a RPG element, or do you feel like the Bayaki is 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 something that you're going to find in in stories? Well, you you absolutely find them in stories because this is what the the cultist in um in the festival mm-hmm. wrap their arms around the the bikey, uh and it takes them down the under uh, the the um the underwater i mean the underground rivers all right all right so as um uh, our friend ken height says you know he talks about these bikeys it's so scary but when he finally describes them they're giant rubber duckies yeah yeah so 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 definitely they're a mythos creature and, and I would even say a lot of the stuff that maybe were invented for the role-playing games are mythos creatures but I think I think the role-playing games sort of saved them yeah instead of making them these these big giant rubber ducks they made them these sort of half dead crow half demons yeah yeah uh, you can't really talk about the Bayakids without talking about the Night Gods. Yeah, no, no. I was going to say Night Gods. That's something that I believe it came from uh, Lovecraft's dreams. Of... His, his, night, his nightmares as a, a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Something tickling him. <laughs> exactly. And, and they have this tale of tickles. But if you think you're a five-year-old, mm-hmm. an adult tickling you, that adult's taking control of your body. Yep. It's making your body do things, and and to a five-year-old mind, that that tickling is just this incredible. We we think ah fun laughter, but, but you, children are traumatized by tickling. Yeah, and and imagine your nightmares if it's by a faceless, uh, black humanoid with bat wings. Whoa. Exactly. All right, uh, ghouls. Ghouls is another one. Big fan of the ghouls. Uh, we've got yes, and, and the ghouls, of course, he pretty much took out of uh, uh, the Arabian Nights. Of course he Which did. he loved. Of course he did. Uh, great race of Yith. That's, this is one of my favorite. The Yithians. I was hoping we were going to talk about the Yithians. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yithians. Uh, Yithians show up in our timeline a whole bunch. Uh, Yithians show up in Earth's timeline a whole bunch. Yithians are uh they they like to think of themselves as the greatest race to ever exist um so they're uh supremacists and they take over other races and purge their minds and uh and 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 uh yeah uh, so 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 they're not not quite purged they swap they swap they swap uh, they swap minds with other races and let those races die on the worlds that they were going to die on. So that sucks. Um, but they're always looking for a new place. They're always looking for a new timeline to live in. They don't want anything to do with humans, it seems like, because, you know, except to find out what's happening in between, because <laughs> it's like, I assume Yithians are like, okay, curious. we need curious. to find out why details. why we can't live in this period of time. <laughs> uh, so the, the, I think they're, they're, they're curious. They, yeah. they do. They want, they want to know everything about everything. But that, you know, leads to the reason why they're running across time and space. Yeah, yeah. The, the flying polyps. Yeah, flying polyps. Uh, what, what do we eat? Flying polyps. Best way to talk about them is 
Uh, they are floating, semi-visible polypus horrors capable of controlling great winds. Uh, last seen in Australia <laughs> in big basalt towers, uh, one of the many invaders of Earth probably, I want to say about, what, 70 million years ago, 100 million years ago, there was a great war between the star spawn, that's Cthulhu and his people, uh, the flying polyps, and the great race of Yith were all duking it out over who got to control Earth. And I don't know who won, ultimately. <laughs> I know Cthulhu lost. And uh, there's no, there's no uh, flying polyps around, so I'm just going to guess that the Yithians... I don't know. They're like, okay, we can trap these 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 goons here, and then we'll have control of Earth's timeline from here to here. And if they get out, we'll just avoid that timeline until someone traps them again. <laughs> so I'm gonna throw out something that mm. I have never heard. Sure. And I'm expecting people to write back and say, "You're this." terrible stupid person david and i am but i want to see if they think i'm terrible stupid for this sure sure flying polyps when you say hear the word polyp mm -hmm. what do you think of uh like cancer cancer right yeah flying polyps first come up in uh the um oh uh shadow out of time shadow out of time thank you which to my math was written 1935 1936 yeah one of his last stories that's about the time lovecraft started complaining of the gripe mm. when he started complaining about his stomach um he also after he he start he stops writing part of it yeah at least publicly he says this because the way people just tore apart the mountains of madness yeah but I'm wondering if maybe he had an idea of what was in his body. Hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's completely different. Yeah. Or maybe, but I've always wondered if, if maybe this was, if nothing else, his subconscious at least admitting that maybe there was something wrong with him. Hmm. Maybe, maybe. Yikes. Speaking of things that are wrong with you, the Migo, there's something wrong with you. If you're, uh, if you're a uh, human-sized winged crustacean with a globular head covered in cilia. Yeah, but do you know what the Migo is in real-world horror story? I mean, real-world parapsychology, cryptozoology? No. It's, it's the abominable snowman. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's and, right. And Lovecraft talks about it. He that's talks right. about it. He said... He says it was taken, you know, from the Migos stories, uh, you know, from Nepal. And, and he does that. He takes just creatures that have rare names that we're not used to and slaps it on something completely different. Oh, totally. But yeah, so the Migo and, and you know, cryptozoology is, is the, the, the Himalayan Yeti. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. It's, oh, man, it's, that is... Oh, uh, Shadow Out of Time. Whisper in Darkness. Uh, is like, I was about to call it Shadow Out of Time. Uh, Whisper in Darkness is a crazy, crazy story. And the Migo are used so well. They're never really described all that great. 
and yeah. it's it's really hard to ever really get a sense of their purpose um it's just that they're menacing they're there they've been there forever they've you know um and it 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 it, it speaks of a greater conspiracy which is what i think is so great about the migo is the migo yeah. they're weird scientists who are interested in earth um like the elder things they're scientists but they're curious they're curious but they're also living at the same time we are uh in the places in the 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 outskirts of human civilization but at least it's in civilization the elder things were so far removed from humanity that it's like oh we just found these things on accident and yeah sure the me i hope no one went out looking for the migo but the Migo are actually like interacting with humans, drawing them into their religion and into their schemes. Uh, <laughs> the Migo are pretty scary when it comes to monsters of Cthulhu mythos, if you ask me. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and they're also one of the most fascinating ones. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to mention, we just mentioned uh, the, the the elder things and uh scariest things in the cthulhu mythos uh i don't know you mentioned that and i think shoggoths which are giant amoebas with multiple numerous floating eyes coming in and out of them i think they're supposed to be black and green but that's that's how yeah, they're or, described or in, in the mountains of, of madness yeah 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 dark gelatin color yeah yeah, no, and uh, they're genetically created, uh, genetically engineered uh, construction equipment, which uh, the chemicals and, as, as you mentioned, as we both talked about earlier, uh, the byproduct of that is, is uh, life on Earth. Or, or, or not necessarily life on Earth, but uh, the offshoot of life on Earth that ended up uh, creating us. Uh, the humans. Yeah, yeah, and... and uh, they they show up. They're 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 like the one thing that Abdul Al Hazred talks about in the Necronomicon is like, yeah, no, this stuff's made up. This is this is yeah. this is this is the make believe part. It's like you know you can believe in this and you can believe in this, but these things are too terrible to believe. I would, uh, my oh man, I, I'd freak out if if oof man. And it's 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 like the deep ones are like, yeah, no, we have those around. You know, it's it's like how like farms have construction equipment, like just maybe have like a small bulldozer in the back or something. It's like, oh, yeah, we use that for like taking care of some business out out in the backfield and stuff like that. Or it's like, yeah, no, we burned a bunch of stuff. So now we got to move some earth or whatever. I'm sure you have like maybe some sort of like small version of construction equipment around the farm tractor. Yeah. And, you know, that's what a Shoggoth is to the Cthu- for the Cthulhu mythos. A Shoggoth is a tractor. <laughs> a tractor that gained sentience. Yes, a tractor that, you know, it's like, thankfully, you know, John Deere dealership doesn't turn into, like, a revolt. And, <laughs> I mean, that is the plot of, kind of the plot of Maximum Overdrive, a bunch of vehicles gaining sentience and taking over. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and Killdozer. Killdozer. <laughs> Let's not forget about Killdozer. Uh, yeah, no. Um, Shoggoths. Yeah, Shoggoths and Killdozer. Very similar in some ways. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, they're, they 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 can squeeze into anything, and they can gain they gain sentience, and they show up throughout the Cthulhu mythos, and they are scary. They're they're massive, and they can consume everything, and it's not like you can hide from them because. It's 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 this this massive amoeba-like thing that can, I don't know, I, and, and and they're like bloodhounds. They'll track you down. Yeah. So that there's a lot of dispute. Well, you know, what did they see that freaked them out so much at the ends of the mountain of madness? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my my first reading, and I've always thought, is that he sees Shagos. He's seen Shagos before. Yeah. But now he's seeing that Shagos can fly. And that they can leave Antarctica whenever they want. I think that was the big revelation. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, other people say it's Narlhotep or something yeah, else. Yeah. But the, on my first reading, it always stuck. It was that the Shagos not only exist, which he knew earlier, but they're they're free to leave Antarctica. Oh, okay. That's an interesting. That's yeah. That's that's a cool one. I like that idea. Well, I think we covered the the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> that anybody is still listening, yeah. then they deserve deserve to cleanse their palate here. Yep, yep. With a a recording of an interview we have about mythos uh, movies and TV Ooh. with Gary Hill. Nice, very nice. All right. Uh, and after that, I don't know what we're gonna do, but we'll have something, and you'll hear it. So we'll see you in a bit, folks. shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters you won't believe your ears when you listen to monster kid radio here are your hosts derek m cook and his ever rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not so classic monster movies subscribe to monster kid radio through itunes or stitcher or visit MonsterKidRadio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. This month's bandwidth is brought to you by Psychedelic Water. Legal psychedelics suspended in green tea and then put inside of a can for you. Psychedelic Water. Who needs a Tillinghast resonator when you've got psychedelic water? Are you a curvy girl? Do you know a curvy girl? You love a curvy girl. Check out the show links for Curvy Girl. Plus size clothing for plus size women. Size up ladies. Pretty good stuff. I think I've got a, I've got a sickness for the thickness and I have to recommend Curvy Girl. Alright, also Larry. Fine. 
find student instruments and beginner's instruments. If you want to modify a guitar, check out Glary. If you want to get into guitars, if you love guitars, Glary. Things from another world. It's a store that has art. It has toys. It has comics, graphic novels. It is the place if you like that kind of stuff. Dave and I have talked about it in the show before. They were ever a sponsor. Dave likes to check out their stuff. I like to check out their stuff. They're pretty cool. Toys, art, graphic design, not graphic design, graphic novels for you. Thanks for another world. Check out the show notes. Uh, check out the links on, on our website, PGTTCM. We've got specific stuff there to let you know what they've got going on for specials. Anyway, thank you again so much, and back to the show. You're listening to KZOM, Olean Public Radio. This is Farmer Dave, and we are back, and we have uh, a guest, uh, author Gary Hill. Hey, Gary, why don't you tell your, our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I've been a music journalist since 98. I started doing uh, Music Street Journal, um, and I also have written for All Music Guide and uh, all kinds of other music sites, um, but then... In 2006, I'm, I'm a big lover of all things Lovecraft. So in 2006, I had decided to write my own book because um, I figured it was time to do a book, something long form. And uh, I realized that there was a lot of music that was based on H.P. Lovecraft. So I came up with uh, doing a book about it because there wasn't one. And I wrote uh, The Strange Son of Cthulhu, music inspired by the writings of H.P. Lovecraft. And that came out uh, on Lovecraft's birthday in 2006. And... Um, since then, I've launched uh, Tales of Wonder and Dread Publishing, which is just a small imprint we publish on uh, Lulu.com. And I've got, I think, 21 books we've released on there, including a couple Lovecraftian ones, uh, Lovecraftian Roots and Lovecraftian Branches, which uh, the Roots one collects a lot of stories of by authors that Lovecraft liked. And then Lovecraftian Branches is some newer Lovecraft-based tales, along with some of his classic stories. Um, and I've released a lot of other books through their uh, book recently that came out. The most recent one was Spooky Houses, which uh, has a lot of stories about spooky houses, some uh, nonfiction and some fiction. And we've got two coming out on September 4th, um, Spooky Stories. And then I've got a collection of just my stuff called Relics, Remnants, and Archives. And uh, beyond that, I also do a YouTube channel and a website called Spooky Ventures, where I do interviews with people about uh, spooky stuff. Uh, I do uh, old audio books, uh, re recordings as video. Um, we do uh, once a week a radio, old radio shows um, and then reviews and things like that. All kinds of neat stuff on there, um, all with a spooky angle to it. So I like awesome. the spooky stuff. I like music. I like movies. So, yeah. And we'll make sure that there's links to all of that. Uh, oh, Ralph really likes your work, too. I don't know if you heard Ralph. <laughs> I did. Our, our, our rooster uh, giving you the, 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 I would say thumbs up, but I guess that's the talons up. 
or the claws. I appreciate up. Ralph's work too. And he's he's not a pushover. <laughs> he's not a pushover. If he likes you, you got to be good. And he seems to really <laughs> like you. So um, we'll put we'll put links so that everybody can find uh, find your work. But uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and movies, which again, uh, one of Ralph's favorite topics here. Apparently. Uh, so uh, he does. He does seem to always, whenever I say that, he does just coincidentally or for some reason always seems to to chime in. So well, maybe uh, let's start maybe off with Call of Cthulhu. Uh, yeah. What are maybe some Lovecraft or Lovecraft related movies that you think are done well or, 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 or hit the spot? Um, I gotta say it, it's uh, Color Out of Space from Richard Stanley. I know some people hate Nick Cage in it. I'm not even that big a Nick Cage fan. I mean, I don't, a lot of times I'd I like movies despite him. But, yeah. Um, that movie has actually climbed to my pile of uh, the, the top of the heap for my favorite horror movie, actually. Um, and I've only seen it twice so far. I like to sort of pace myself. I don't like to watch a movie too many times in a row to where it gets old. But I noticed I saw it once and I loved it, but I had some reservations about it. The second time I watched it, I kind of got it a little better. And I noticed a lot of um, little details that I'd missed. And Nick Cage's... Uh, acting which had kind of bothered me in places the first time sort of suddenly made sense to me for that role uh, and, um, i think stanley kind of reeled them in a little yeah i think he may have and i think to some degree he's channeling a lot of stuff the character is channeling a lot of stuff and um i think it sort of fits his performance fits that and, um, and he is slowly but surely going crazy so yeah right that, Right, exactly. And I mean, I know some people don't like the fact that they change so much stuff, but honestly, this is the 21st century. To take Lovecraft's stuff and do it as a period piece, I mean, it works. Uh, look at H.P. Lovecraft's Historical Society's Call of Cthulhu. That's Which, a I love too. thing. It works as what it is, but I think in order to connect with modern audiences, you sort of need to make it modern, you know? And I think he did a great job of that. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I I agree with you there. And, and I think um, it's funny when I wrote uh, Strange Sound, a lot of people read that book because I was very specific in that book. When things were based on one of um, Stuart Gordon's films rather than Lovecraft's work, I sort of didn't really get into a lot of detail on it in the book because I thought, well, what I'm looking at is the stuff that's first generation inspired, not second generation. Mm. But I think a lot of people took that to mean that I didn't like the Stuart Gordon movies, which is completely away from truth. He's, he did some brilliant films. I mean, they're not very true to Lovecraft, but they're great films. And in fact, without seeing Reanimator and From Beyond, I never would have known who Lovecraft was. I never would have become a fan. So, I mean, I owe that to him. And I think all of his movies are brilliant, too. Um, they're really up there. Um, and I would consider some of John Carpenter's movies, even though they're not specifically Lovecraft, I would consider some of them to be Lovecraftian, certainly The Thing. I think the argument can be made for Prince of Darkness, which is my second favorite horror film of all time. Um, and uh, In the Mouth of Madness, I mean, if the title didn't give that away, that he was... yeah. You know, um, I think the, the, movie the Apocalypse like, trilogy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I think, and I, I'm a huge John Carpenter fanatic. So, 
um, you know, it, I had to mention those. But so I think those are brilliant. Um, some of the other movies are sort of hit and miss, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. So, so real quickly, though, the, the thing, of course, is based on uh, a John Campbell uh, right. novel, uh, which was published under many names. But who goes there is probably right. the, the most famous. And, you know, I've always considered that, even though it's, I've always considered that mythos, the short story. So right. uh, I would definitely consider the thing uh, even more sort of mythos with uh, the way Campbell creates the uh, the monster, but especially out of practical effects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. I mean, and that's one of the things in Color Out of Space. I think Color Out of Space sort of riffed on that a bit. Because some of the body transformation stuff really looks a lot like the stuff that happened in the thing, to me anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think he was probably inspired by that. I I, I would not doubt it. Yes. Yeah, um, I mean, even like with the alpacas, that definitely reminded me of um, the scene with the dogs in the thing. So, are there maybe some Lovecraftian films? Or, or films that you think maybe just didn't work? And you know, um, I was thinking about that, and I, I tend to remember movies that I like more than movies that I dislike. Yeah. That said, there's a movie Beyond the Wall of Sleep. Um, and Which I've heard I, of, but I haven't seen. Yeah, I um, saw a copy of it. I don't remember if it was at a garage sale or in a discount bin, and I thought, well, it's Lovecraft. I gotta own it. So I picked it up, and I I don't remember if we even got through that movie. It was really, really bad. And it didn't seem to be connected to Lovecraft at all, other than the title. Um, it was very much like a, just sort of a torture film. And I am not, I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, you got to have some plot and some something going on there. And there really didn't seem to be. If there was, it developed late in the movie and I never stayed around long enough to see it. But it sits on my shelf of videos, so... But um, other than that, I can't. Well, there was also, I think, there was one um, like uh, really stupid one that I tr tried to watch called uh, Call Girl of Cthulhu, which seemed really dumb. <laughs> Again, I've heard of, but I've not seen that. Yeah, I don't think it's worth wasting your time from my point of view. Anyway, I tried to watch a little of it, but God, it was yeah. stupid. So, I mean, beyond that, but even like I like things like um, the old Dunwich Horror with. Um, um, what's his name from um, from Quantum Leap? Uh, yeah, him. Not, yeah, not Bacula, the other guy. Uh, can't remember his name now. But um, anyway, that that movie is actually not a bad movie. It isn't all that Lovecraftian. But then again, a lot of people haven't stayed that true to uh, what uh, you know the basics are of it. So I think it's excusable. So. so here, here's a confession that I have to make. The only version of the Dunwich Horror that I have seen is the chopped up TV version that was on the Elvira show. Oh, geez. Um, so, and when I first saw it, I was a teenager. Right. Uh, so I think I would have, I would have more, I think I, I have to give it I have to give it a 
a second. I've got to give it a second one. I've got to, once it's out of my and and we're thinking of um, uh, uh, Dean Stockwell. Dean, have, yeah, I was coming up with Harry Dean something, but it's Dean Stockwell. Yeah, D- Dean Stockwell. It also had uh, uh, Ed Begley, Ed Begley Jr.'s father in it. And uh, one of the one of the girls from a lot of those '60s beach movies was in it. Um, can't remember. Can't remember what her name is now, but uh, she was like some kind of sex symbol girl, I guess. I don't know. Which was kind of a really odd thing for her to do that movie, but. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, possibly uh, Donna Bacula. No, I think that was the the mother, but. I don't remember, but. Uh, Anyway, but yeah, it's it's um it's a good flick. I mean, it's it's a B movie. It's uh, some of it looks to be shot in the dark, and uh, <laughs> but that's a common problem with horror movies. I mean, you and I, you and I both, I'm sure, fans of horror films. You're used to seeing the scenes that are a little too dark. That's just a typical B horror movie kind of thing. You you just it's almost a charm of those movies sometimes. Yeah, and they're they're still haven't quite worked out night for day shots. Right. Back exactly. that time. And I have to admit, when I th- I have to rewatch it and on its own and feel yeah. for it on its own. Uh, you know, I I, I I I was like I said, I was literally I had I was no older than 19, probably 17 or 18 when I saw it first time. And, and I really was expecting I was expecting the done with chore. And, and I was disappointed when I got a different story. But I think if I watched it now, I would like it for what it is. Yeah. Um, the story is, I mean, it, it has, I can sort of see why they called it the Dunwich Horror, but it, it really isn't the Dunwich Horror. But there are Lovecraftian things. I mean, they brought the Necronomicon in and, um, you know, it talks about the old ones and stuff like that. So, I mean, there are definite character names that are taken directly from Lovecraft. So it's like they at least tried to give it some uh, some connectivity, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of what we're used to. <laughs> I mean, as Lovecraft fans, that's what you've got to be used to for seeing Lovecraft movies. I mean, look at uh, From Beyond, which is a brilliant movie. Really, the only thing that's from Lovecraft's story is like the opening scene. The rest of it is all new stuff, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. And, and, and even at a teenager, I guess my problem was, you know, Dean Stockwell, and he was pretty charming, you know, hipster, good-looking guy, you know, and I'm, I'm wanting a, I wanted this guy with goat face. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I want to have to sort of give it on its own. It's a, it, I'm sure it's probably, and. Especially, I watched the '80s edited version, so I need to get a, an original copy and sit down and watch it. Right, right. I, I I try to own as many of the Lovecraft ones. I mean, that's I collect a lot of things, um, and anything Lovecraft, I I collect. Obviously, there's so much out there you can't collect it all. But if I come across something at a price I like, I get it. So I have a lot of those Lovecraft movies, even if I don't necessarily watch them all the time. Sure. Is there any movies you really like that are sort of Lovecraftian influence, but maybe at first thought not really a mythos or a Lovecraft movie? Um, the main ones I can think of are just those those three Carpenter ones. I think they're oh the movie The Void. Have you seen that one? No, I'm not familiar with that. I think I think 
pretty sure that's the title. I saw it on uh, Netflix or something a, a couple of years ago. And it's, um, there's like a, I think it's a, they're in an, uh, in a hospital or a, maybe it's a jail. And no, it's a hospital. And there are a bunch of them locked up in there. And there are a bunch of cultists outside trying to, um, they keep them from going out. And there's some kind of a unnameable, you know, out of this world creature basically stalking them. Um, it's actually very Lovecraftian. Now, my wife found it to be kind of boring, but uh, I think she fell asleep. But I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was, uh, it had a great tone to it, and it definitely had Lovecraftian cosmic horror tones to it. No, I will definitely have to, I will definitely have to pick that one up then. I, I'm not familiar with that. It's cool. Yeah, it's, it's kind of slow moving, but it's, um, it's got a creepiness to it that's cool too. I, I sort of, for me, a lot of times, I mean, I named my one thing Spooky Ventures. I like the whole spooky thing and the, the, the sort of tone. Even if not a lot happens, if you get that tone right, I think it works anyway. And that definitely had it. Welcome to Usman. Stranger. Hi, I'm Rob Whiten from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash InsmouthBC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. Hey everyone, we are back. Uh, just to see how you are all doing out there, we're just talking about the Cthulhu Mythos today, back to school special. And speaking of back to school, a very special people's guide to Cthulhu mythos. Dave, Farmer Dave learns that he has to love himself before he can love anyone else. And DB learns cigarettes don't make you cool; your friendship does. No. Uh, so, speaking of like TV and stuff, uh, making fun of after school specials. What have you been watching on uh, any media out there you've been uh, enjoying, watching, uh, taking care of, whatnot? So I talked a little while ago about uh, Sky Rojo. Uh-huh. And I think it was invented by the guys who did the show. It's uh, uh, La Casa Papel, okay. which in English is Money Heist. Sure. And, and I am so addicted to Money Heist right now. Okay. I have a... I, have a, I got a t-shirt with all the names on them. I have a little Nairobi uh, Funko Pop. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I'm so excited that uh, 
probably, if this goes out when we regularly do, probably the next day they're going to do the la- the first half of the last season, season five. Cool. Very cool. You know, I, I told I told you know, I'm not going to have a heart attack because I'm not going to allow myself to die before I find out if Tokyo escapes from the Bank of Spain because that's what creates angry ghosts. <laughs> okay. That's, I told my doctor that. Oh, wow. Um, let's see. I, I, so what are you watching? I'm, I'm watching, if maybe a lot of other people are out there watching this, I have been watching Marvel What If every week. So I've missed one. Okay. I've missed one, but I've seen two. And, and I'll just c- catch up one and get, I haven't seen, and I think i got to get myself emotionally ready to see the Chaz McBoseman one. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but, no, uh, I have to say I, I really enjoy the show, but, you know, if, if you've listened to this sh- uh, show in the past, you know that uh, I definitely like the What If episodes or What If issues of Marvel Comics. Uh really really fun stuff i've been watching a youtube channel called casual comics where a woman talks about comics and (laughs) i really kind of uh really like her take on it uh just i don't know uh, kind of like catching people up on like stuff like if, if you're gonna go out and see a comic book movie there's a bunch of elements that if you need to know who these various people in the suicide squad are she'll do a kind of a background episode on various people or if there's something coming up in the Marvel Universe there's some background stuff or stuff that she just likes out of uh, comic books she'll talk about it so um, everything from like who the heck is uh, this character in this movie to why does Power Girl have a boob window just like I don't know just from one spectrum to the other. I highly recommend it. And that is... I have a boob window, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're sporting a Power Girl-style boob window these days? Yes, I am. That's why I'm on... That is why I am on um, radio and podcast. Gotcha. I I, I have... People going, I listened 45 minutes on an interview and say, but hear this? I have the opposite of a boob window. I have, I have like double coverage on my chest, but I use that to like hide snacks. But <laughs> yeah, no, um, let's see what else is going on out there. Is there anything else that I've been watching, reading? Not really. And, I've and been... it's, uh, I'm pretty sure that it's Sasha Woods that is the host of Casual Comics. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's who sure. it is. And she used to do. She used to do. There was like a top ten series that she was on. Okay. She was one of the rotating hosts. But yeah, no. Uh, I figured I, you you know I, more I, about this than me. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Sasha Woods and and, and it, yeah, no, an excellent, uh, an excellent, uh, for any age comics, golden age. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah I, I've really kind of dug her coverage of Bronze Age comics. I'm like, oh, cool. I love this stuff. But yeah, um, no, I have to say I'm, I've been kind of awful at consuming media lately. I'm, I'm not being a good nerd at all. I've been too busy uh, doing stuff with my family and... The important stuff. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, man. 
I don't have enough Funko Pops, everybody. I could take away my card. But <laughs> not saying that people that who collect Funko Pops, anything wrong with that. I'd say do what you like. You know, I don't collect Funko Pops. I produce a podcast uh, multiple yeah. episodes a week, which reminds I- me, check out The Terror starting tomorrow i believe if you're hearing this on wednesday thursday it'll be out thursday friday i'm saying thursday friday for our international audience so just like this episode came out wednesday thursday thursday friday uh arthur mackens the terror a murder terror story taking place in uh world war one uh great britain out in the country it's a rural horror story and it's scary stuff anyway what were you gonna say checking out yeah yeah definitely so what were you going on uh going to say there dave i have no no i'm sure i was going to say (laughs) oh my funko pops i have four funko pops oh cool Uh, one um i traded uh this lady dressed as uh, Poison Ivy for some chocolate I won uh, in a Comic-Con. And I well, okay. And then I got two uh, for a Conan panel I did. I have a Conan and a, uh, a Red Sonia. And I did. I went and I got, and this is what, what a terrible nerd I am. Uh-huh. I went ahead and I got the Nairobi, uh, which is a character from um, Bunny Heist. Gotcha. Uh, and I got her uh, Funko Pop, and I was showing everyone to say, "See, she has 500 euro notes. Nairobi doesn't counterfeit 500 euro notes. She counterfeits 50 euro notes, and then later <laughs> 100, and then 200." Uh, and but then point, people pointed out to me that since they made the mistake on all the Funko Pops, that uh, first of all I'm a nerd, and second of all <laughs> uh, I will not get mine won't be any more valuable because they're all wrong. Yikes. Um, well, I don't know what else to talk about this episode, Dave. I think we pretty much talked the talk today. Yeah, I think the only thing we forgot to talk about were maybe cults within the Cthulhu Mythos, which we'll be talking about sooner than later, and then arcane literature and other media found in the Cthulhu Mythos. Kind of the thing that got me into the Cthulhu Mythos. I heard about this thing called the Necronomicon, and I had to find out more. Uh... Next episode, we will not... Necronomicon, the gateway drug to arcane literature. Definitely. Uh, We won't be talking about the Necronomicon next time, but we will be talking about bulls and the Billingtons. So, and their woods. Uh, And that's bulls, not b-holes. So I have it written bulls on my notes, but I just looked at it and I'm like, oh, that looks like b-holes. So... It's not about b-holes, it's about bowls. And not bowls as in a vessel in which to fill. And Not like super bowls and cereal bowls. No, no. Or bowling alleys. But yeah, bowl. B-H-O-L-E-S. Bowls. And those are the big underground unseen things from the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. So... We may not have a lot to say about them, but I'm sure we'll have more to say about the family from uh, August Derleth uh, creation. So 
We'll see you next time with that. And remember to check out The Terror, which will be our early September uh, audiobook. And that is brought to you by Psychedelic Water. Legal psychedelics in a can for you. Psychedelic Water. Link in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your ma, tell your pa, or I'll ship you down to Suthogwa. That shirt is in the shop, which you can find in the show notes as well. Again, everyone, thank you again so much. Uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, yeah, no, you can contact us at pgttcm.com. And we'd love to hear from you if there's something you think we messed up on. If there's something you want to hear us talk about, go, 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 go check it out. If there's something you want to hear about out of order, go to Patreon. Maybe, uh, you know, slip me five bucks and I'll talk about uh, Kathuga earlier than I planned. Ooh, baby. All right. Thank you again, everyone. Dave, anything you have to say before we slip out into the night? No other than we have have a good one and um, do not call me on Saturday because I'm going to be binge watching uh, Money Heist. All right. Sounds good. Don't call me on Saturday because I'm going to be editing podcasts. (laughs) We'll see you next time, everyone. Can you say goodbye, Dave? Bye. All right, sounds good. Hey, so uh, everything is changing. Uh huh. You're listening to KZON, only on public radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, TV Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu mythos. It's books, it's monsters, it's unfortunate human casualties, it's timeline in general, and even it's tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leanings. Once more we head to those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZON. Hey everyone, it's me, DB, and this guy over here, Farmer Dave. How the heck's it going these days? It is going 